need the right key. Inside a room no bigger than a walk-in closet at the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine, shelves are full of small tanks with circulating water. For assistant professor Crystal Rogers, a developmental biologist, that sound is meditative. That's because these tanks hold creatures that bring her joy, her precious axolotls, a type of aquatic salamander. My axolotls are leucistic axolotls, which means that they don't have a lot of pigment. They're pink, very cute, probably the cutest ones, um, in my opinion. Cute, but also a bit alien. These three to eight inch long creatures have big baby-like faces with large eyes, small limbs, and strange magenta external gills that shoot out of their necks like feathers. One axolotl named Chonk has become a superstar on Twitter. Our newest ones, which include the Twitter famous Chonk and Chonk siblings are all one year old, almost exactly. So in fact, wait, they're one years old today. Today is their birthday. Oh my gosh, how funny. Perfect. Yeah, so today is Chonk's birthday. Oh man, Chonk deserves more pellets. Like there's gotta be something special Chunk and siblings get for her birthday, okay. She grabs forceps and starts to hand feed the pink little monsters, as she calls them, salmon pellets for dinner. They are ravenous eaters, they'll eat anything. And I know this from my graduate uh, lab, we had a pet axolotl there, not a research axolotl. So I know they eat anything, anything living, anything, you know, anything with protein. Yep, Chunk even ate a sibling or two before Crystal realized it. Chonk has also grown faster than her siblings. She might have a faster metabolism and be able to sort of grow tissue and grow at a faster rate or more efficient at processing the food that we give her and maybe she grows faster, but we, we don't honestly know um, except for the fact that even as tadpoles, that animal was significantly larger than the rest. So I, I have no idea. It's pretty amazing. That's actually why Chonk ended up on Twitter because I was like, what is this? <laughs> Other animal biologists, please explain. <laughs> Oxalotls have all sorts of curious features. Unlike most salamanders that undergo metamorphosis and crawl out of the water to live on land, oxalotls decided not to. They retain their juvenile bodies and yet remain fully aquatic and adult. And then there's this. Axolotls are this amazing species that have the potential to regenerate almost any part of their body. That's right, they can regrow limbs and gills and even their spinal cord. And she believes that ability starts while they're embryos. As a developmental biologist, she's breeding them for embryonic research. We try to understand the recipe that makes the variety of life. So we try to understand how organisms go from single cell to complex adult organisms. And if we understand that, we will have a better idea of what happens when things go wrong. Um, and if we can understand that, it gives us a better idea of how we got here and how we evolved into these creatures. I mean, I really do think there's so much there still to be discovered. These cute pink little monsters with regenerative powers may help us learn a lot about ourselves. In this episode of Unfold, we look at Chonk, the Oxalotl, and how life is super amazing. Coming to you from UC Davis, 
This is Unfold, a podcast that breaks down complicated problems and discusses solutions. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Kat Curlin. Crystal Rogers has a lot of oxalotls, Kat. A lot of oxalotls? Say that fast, three times. It's not just Chonk and siblings. All told, Crystal has 43 oxalotls. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and they are all so cute. But her love for developmental biology did not start out with an oxalotl. Nope. Instead, she fell in love with a frog. An African claw-toed frog, to be exact. My immediate reaction to watching an animal go from one cell to, like, a tadpole or a frog was, holy cow, this this is it. Like, <laughs> this is my thing. This is where I'm meant to be. So... I've been enamored with changing embryos um, since 2003 when I when I started grad school. Now she studies oxalotl embryos, and Crystal says that at that stage they look nothing like pink little monsters. Their embryos don't look at all like them, so they come out as these little brown balls. Um, and for the stuff we do, we generally do any of our experiments within the first week of development. So they ha- they're not even you know tadpoles at that point. They're just these little little they look like empanadas <laughs> so i actually called them that and my student was like messaging on slack and he's like okay well i think they're empanada stage and i was like just so you know that's not a real stage that's just what i call them <laughs> like so don't use that if you go to a conference don't tell people you did empanada stage experiments so her goal is to understand how environmental or genetic changes affect the oxalotl's development She's looking at the factors that go into making a specific type of cell called neural crest cells. These are stem-like cells that in humans make more than 30 different kinds of tissue. So they make the craniofacial bone and cartilage. So the reason we all look different and have different faces um, is because of our neural crest cells. They make pigment cells. So that gives us, you know, our our outer coloring, but it also gives animals their designs. Um, They make the peripheral nervous system and the enteric nervous system. So the nervous system that allows us to sense things and sense the outside world and also to digest food, neural crest. It's what gives Chonk her big baby face and pink color. And it's why she can sense something in the water and digest yummy salmon pellets. Crystal says neural crest cells are totally cool. Part of the reason I'm enamored with them is that, like, how does this happen? How would this have evolved? I mean. It's hard to think about the cell type and all the different things they make. And there are no other tissue or cell types that make such a variety of of different things than this cell type. So imagine what would happen if something went wrong with these cells? Like what if they were to develop abnormally in humans? A few of the common congenital disorders that you might have heard of are craniofacial clefts, like cleft lip and cleft palate. Other things like albinism are caused by abnormal neural crest cell development. There are neural crest-derived cancers. So neuroblastoma um, and pheochromocytoma are both derived from essentially cells that started as neural crest cells and went a little haywire in either children or adults. Understanding more about these cells may help us determine how pediatric and other cancers develop. Crystal says in order for cancer tumors of any type to metastasize or spread, they have to turn on neural crest genes. Crystal gave us a personal example. 
my mom had breast cancer and I was scanning the sheets to make sure she didn't have this one factor that I know is necessary for both neural crest cell migration and metastasis and she didn't. And so it was like, whew, okay, so you don't have the migratory kind, you have just an epithelial kind and that's like a solid tumor. That's something that can be cut out and fixed, right? Um, and so if we understand the basic biology of these cells, not only will we be able to identify if embryos are developing and might have congenital disorders, but we can also take that biology and see how that has changed to make diseases. Crystal describes herself as a mechanistic scientist. So she looks at the molecular mechanisms that drive the formation of these neural crest cells. And she's been surprised by what she's discovered by looking at different species. Um, I'm amazed by how similar the, the programs are across species that make these cells, but yet the animals and, and even within a species, people look different or animals look different. And so if you have the same genetic recipe to make these cells, how do differences occur at all? And so that's one of the things we study in my lab is trying to define the differences between these cells across species, because I think that will give us an idea for where the differences occur. That's why she's not just studying oxalotl embryos, but also chicken, quail, and even peafowl embryos. That's peacocks to you and me. And that might sound completely different than how we humans develop, right? But Crystal says the early stages of development of chicken and quail are surprisingly similar to us, even more so than many mammal models. At those early stages, they look just like a human embryo. It's honestly, if you were to dissect them out at equivalent stages, it would be really hard to tell which was which. And so we do functional experiments in our chicken embryos where we can do gain and loss of function, meaning we overexpress things, we add extra proteins or we knock them down, and then we analyze what happens to the neural crest cells and the animal um, after we do that. This can help define the pathways that cause diseases like cancers or developmental disorders so that someday we can screen for them or maybe even prevent them. Crystal says development is like an elegant symphony with perfect timing. Knowing what I know about how many pathways had to have worked correctly to get us here, I can't believe it. It's, it's a beautiful design. All of these things have to happen at the right time and place to create this organism and to pattern it and to allow things to form normally. And it's a wonder that it ever happens in that way. I mean, life is super amazing. I, I'm amazed by science. I'm amazed by life every day. You can find links to learn more about Chonk, the Oxalotl, and Crystal Rogers' research by visiting the Unfold website at ucdavis.edu unfold. Unfold is a production of UC Davis. It's produced by Cody Drabel. Original music for Unfold comes from Damian Barrett and Curtis Jerome Haynes. Hey, if you like this podcast, check out UC Davis's other podcast, The Backdrop. It's a monthly interview program featuring conversations with UC Davis scholars and researchers working in the social sciences, humanities, arts, and culture. Hosted by public radio veteran Soterius Johnson, the conversations feature new work and expertise on a trending topic in the news. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of axolotls, a lot of axolotls, a lot of axolotls.